Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, despite operating the podcast in a hermetically sealed state-of-the-art SpaceX Moonraker hybrid orbiting 2,000 kilometers above the surface of the Earth, we return to Earth to see what seems like our favorite subject, the weather. The 2022 floods are now the most expensive natural disaster on record. There's some debate as to the actual cost, but it will hopefully all soon blow over. Despite the floods, reports actually highlight some above average fire risks across the country, although we seriously drought it. And the General Insurance Code Governance Committee highlights substantial rises in breaches. Is it a storm in a teacup or a missed opportunity? Hello, everyone. In this weather-heavy episode, I'm joined, of course, by Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Senior Journalist Bernice Han, Editor John Deeks, and Chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, Wendy. Hi, Andrew. You're back just in time to talk all things meteorological. Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Hello, John. Hi. It seems like the British love of talking about the weather is rubbing off on the whole team. Yes, that's right. Well, the, the more influence we have, the better. Greetings, Terry. Good morning. Terry, can you give a sh special shout out to our listeners who sent me screenshots showing that we were in the top five most listened podcasts of the year? <laughs> Would you like to mention a few of the other podcasts? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, the other ones are uh, a lot more entertaining. Yeah, it's true. And good morning, Bernice. Good morning, Andrew. So how are you spending summer so far? Uh, I haven't really thought about it yet. I'm sorry. Very boring. <laughs> so, Bernice, last week we talked about the broker's code, and this week it's insurer's turn. What does the CGC have to say in its annual report? Quite a fair bit, actually, and some pretty strong words too from the CGC. So there was a substantial rise in uh, significant code breaches in the 2021-22 year, 116 in total, nearly double that from a year earlier. And what has the committee especially concerned uh, is the breaches related to sections of the code covering the sales process or buying of insurance. According to the report, the industry's failure to honour pricing discounts has been going on for years, spanning even the operation of the previous 2014 code. Um, as the committee puts it, quote unquote, insurers have been breaking pricing promises for years. And as we've reported in the last year or so, um, this is something that is uh, under intense scrutiny at the moment. Um, and there's remediation works uh, going on right now as ordered by ASIC. And just to quickly recap, in October last year, ASIC asked the industry to review its um, pricing systems and controls. So the insurers have done just that and reported back on what they found. So um, the CGC says it was expecting a rise in breaches, but admits it didn't anticipate the quote-unquote level and duration of the uh, breaches. Yeah. Is it fair enough that the insurers are taking some flack on the pricing issue, John? Yes, I think it is really. If you speak to people high up in insurance companies, they... They tend to say, well, this wasn't deliberate and and actually no customers even noticed, you know, if it wasn't for insurers carrying out reviews and 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 sort of confessing to these issues, nobody would, would ever know about it. But really that's no excuse. The customer isn't going to know whether you've applied a promised discount properly or not. The the consumer has to trust the insurer to calculate the premium correctly. And they're not going to know if they haven't done that. And um, I think it it is it is all about trust, really, isn't it? And and when when it becomes apparent that 
you've been overcharged, then I think insurers have to do a bit of work to, to earn that trust back with consumers. I think the, the co-governance committee says it's concerning. It's been going on for years, as Bernice says, and it's harmful to, to consumers and insurers must do more to prevent this happening again. We knew the floods were bad this year, John, but the February-March catastrophe is now the most expensive natural disaster on record. That's right. We probably knew it was heading this way for a couple of months now, but um, you know, straight after the floods happened, there was talk of, oh, the, the, it could be $2 billion in insured losses. Well, we're up to $5.65 billion now in claims, and that has overtaken the Eastern Sydney hailstorm of 1999, which was at $5.57 billion, and that's adjusted to uh, 2017. Uh, dollars. So yeah, top of the charts. Now we 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 did an analysis on this and, and looked back at the worst five catastrophes in Australia. And we headlined that uh, five to forget. But um, someone from Swiss Re actually went on LinkedIn and said, oh no, we mustn't forget this. We It should be five to remember, which is probably a fair point. You know, he's making the point that uh, it's interesting to note how often these level of events return. You know, we've had five of these sort of four billion plus events since 1967, and they are apparently becoming more common. We also had a look at New Zealand's top five as well, which of course... Uh, number one, especially dwarfs Australia's record with the Canterbury earthquakes coming in at about uh, $22 billion. And that's just the private insurers. If you include the EQC as well, that's another $10 billion on top of that. So you get to about $32 billion. And we haven't even looked at America. We haven't even looked at the USA. I guess their top five would, would probably be above all of them. Well, has this really been the worst catastrophe, Terry? Well, it's, you know, the worst catastrophe compared to to what the, say, San Francisco earthquake. In terms of fatalities, for example, it hasn't been particularly high, but in terms of, of property damage, it's been pretty disastrous, I'd have to say. Moving on, Wendy, it may have rained a lot this year, but there's still some above average fire risk for some parts of Australia. Well, yes, all this rain has meant there's been also been a lot of uh, grass growth. So once we get a bit more hot weather, that will dry out and, and present a risk. So the, the latest seasonal bushfire outlook put, put out by uh, AFAC, uh, which is the Fire and Emergencies uh, Council, says um, early summer fire activity is expected to remain below normal in flood-affected regions. But even there, more normal rainfall conditions are likely to return in coming months. So fire potential could rise quickly. You know, once we have a uh, burst of hot, dry and windy weather, which is uh, inevitable and large areas of New South Wales, particularly in the in the West, uh, haven't had the flooding, but they have had the weather that's caused prolific vegetation growth. And those very high grass fuel loads could result in larger, more intense fires. It feels like whatever the weather does, it's always something to worry about, Terry. <laughs> yes, so true. Look, it's a bit surreal, I suppose, sitting here in the midst of record floods talking about bushfire risks. But, yep, that's Australia. The rain will have promoted pretty tremendous undergrowth in those parts of Australia where the rain has been falling. Where it is, hasn't fallen, of course, it'll be very dry. But um, so we, we, we ha if we have a drier year in 2023, and please, God, let us have that, we'll be talking more about bushfires right through next year then. Ain't nature wonderful, Andrew? Well, Bernice, there have been a lot of broker acquisitions announced over the last week. Can you sum them up for us? 
Uh, yes, and in news just in, um, Gallagher says it has acquired Osher Coast and Country in Queensland. So Gallagher is saying that this latest investment will bolster its um, presence on the Sunshine Coast. So Gallagher has been very active on the M&A front. Um, just two or three weeks ago, they, it acquired Smart Insurance Services in Melbourne. So all in, they've made about seven uh, acquisitions in the last couple of months. And it's not the only one. Um, Cornerstone Risk Group, which is backed by Resilient, also has Queensland in its site. Um, it last week it uh, bought PMA Trilogy Insurance Solutions in Toowoomba, and then there was also Howden taking full ownership of Alpha Exo Risk Partners, a specialty insurance broker in Sydney, and we have Honan going for a transportation and logistics broker ATIA Insurance um, Services in Melbourne. Yep. Well, these are not on the scale of the Adonna Invest acquisition, Terry, but it's still a very active market out there, it seems. It sure is. I mean, while there might not be a lot of competition in other areas of the industry when uh, prices are so low, you can see that, that all the competition's taking place and actually buying brokerages. I think we've made a point in the past that, about the fact that the insurers are doing badly, but the brokers are not. So it, it really makes sense. But this has been going on for quite a long time now, and I think it's going to keep going. There are some very big operators with a lot of money uh, starting to move into the, this uh, market. Brokerages are changing hands all the time, and, and we do try to keep track of them, but it's not always easy. But uh, I think we do a pretty good job. There are also so many options for brokers on how and who to sell to. The baby boomers like me have been moving on or lightening their workload for about the past 10 years, and still the competition for brokerages is amazingly high. So I, I don't know. The only advice I've heard about selling brokerages, and it applies especially to the boomers, is to plan now and see what you need to do with your business to maximise your value when you're ready to sell. But we can guarantee there will be people out there wanting it. Well, finally, Wendy, let's turn our attention to the UK. The regulator has some harsh words for insurers who aren't stumping enough pound sterling. Well, the, the FCA says it's seen cases where some consumers are being offered a price lower than fair market value for cars risen off after an accident. And then in some cases, claim staff are only increasing that offer to the right level when a consumer complains. So the regulator says that, you know, it's just isn't right and it will take action where necessary. And, you know, it was only a couple of months ago it sent out a letter to insurers um, setting out its expectations in the context of rising cost of living pressures and it particularly highlighted impact on vulnerable consumers. So it's warned it's, it's watching firms closely when it comes to claims payout levels for, for written off vehicles. Hmm. What do you reckon, Terry? Do you get more if you complain? Is that right? Yeah, probably. Uh, those examples were from British Motor Insurance and, you know, in, in motor agreed value and market value tend to be a, a continuing sort of area for debate. I think customers in Australia are pretty well protected from jiggery-pokery in that direction. But in other areas, you know, look, complaints can be a bit of a lottery. I, I watched Q&A on the ABC the other night where there was a general pile-in over insurers' perceived lack of speed and flood recoveries. Not a word from anyone on the panel, which included politicians, about the severity and the scale and the expense of the floods the shortage of tradies or, or the access difficulties. Um, 
but an audience member recommended AFCA as a way to speed insurers up, which may well be true. So right now, I'd suggest that would be the only way you're going to get more than the insurer wants to give you, and that's only if you have a case that the ombudsman wants to hear. Certainly, I've seen insurance companies crumble in the face of, of critical media reports, and sometimes, quite frankly, they don't have their act together and they do deserve to be criticised. But I have very often over the years done a slow burn watching an insurer crumble over a shock horror insurance story when they should be pointing out the facts and not just taking it on the chin. And on that note, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Terry McMullen, John Deeks, Benice Han and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.